Okay, so now we go on to the next surah, which is Surah An-Nas. Okay. Okay, so a quick introduction to Al-Falaq and An-Nas. So Surah Al-Falaq and Surah An-Nas both have the same introduction uh, because they are considered sister surahs uh, because they came down together. Uh, they were revealed together at the same time. So they're referred to as the sister surahs and their name is called Al-Mu'awwadatan. They are called Al-Mu'awwadatan or the two protection or the two protecting ones. Uh, why? Because they are used to seek uh, Allah's protection, as we will see when we come to the verses, inshallah. Now, as I said, according to most, they were both revealed together. Uh, they both complement each other, as we will see, because Al-Falaq, Surah Al-Falaq, it deals with the evils that come to us from outside, yani from outside our bodies. Uh, so they are the external threats. And Surah An-Nas deals with the evils that come to us from the inside, yani from the internal threats. So we have certain evils that come to us from outside of our body that we need to seek protection from. And there are certain evils that are inside of us that we also need to seek protection from. So these two surahs complement each other in that way. Now, the, the uh, evils that are inside of us, uh, the internal threats, they are more dangerous. So Allah uses... Three of his names in Surah An-Nas. He uses three of his names to emphasize this. Uh, whereas in Surah Al-Falaq, he only uses one of his names, which is Arab. Now, some of the virtues of Surah Al-Falaq in Surah Al-Nas. Uh, number one, uh, the Prophet وسلم, he used to read these surahs before going to sleep. He used to recite them uh, in addition to Surah Al-Ikhlas. And then he used to blow on his hands. And then, yeah, and he, like he used to like do uh, dry blowing or dry spitting on his hands, and then he used to rub his whole body with them. Uh, so there's a lot of virtues in both of these surahs when it comes to that, and it, it is something that we should strive to practice ourselves as well before going to sleep. Uh, another virtue of the surah, these two surahs, are that they are read after every obligatory prayer. Uh, the Prophet prescribed it to be read three times in the morning, three times in the evening, uh, and one time after each other prayer. So basically three times after Fajr, and three times after Maghrib, and then one time after every other obligatory prayer. So we should make a habit that we are reciting these two surahs after every obligatory prayer. The Prophet also used to recite these surahs whenever he was sick. Whenever he was sick, he used to recite these two surahs, even on his deathbed when he was dying, he used to recite these surahs. Um, it is reported from Aisha that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to recite these surahs during his, uh, yani when he was on his deathbed. And when he became too weak, then Aisha, she said she used to do it for him. Uh, so that's how powerful these surahs are. Uh, so they should be, so yani, they can be read on a person who is sick as well. Now, what is the reason these two surahs came down? So in the books of the Fasir, uh, we see that the reason is that, that is mentioned, uh, is that a Jewish man, he cast a spell, uh, which would cause the Prophet ﷺ to become confused um, and what, of whether he had done something or not. So it did not affect anything else about on him, but just this thing that he had. Uh, when we say spell, I don't want us to think about like... Uh, like Harry Potter stuff or anything like that. Okay, we're talking about, we're basically talking about a person who reads some incantations uh, 
and with the intention of seeking assistance from the shaitan, shayateen, from the devils, to seek harm on someone, to someone, okay? Uh, now, in this dunya, in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a cause and effect relationship, right? When we touch fire, we burn, right? When we get cut, we bleed, right? And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa did bleed when he was injured. He did become sick and had a fever, right? Um, so there are certain cause and effect relationships. And one of these things is this issue of what, what is called sihr or black magic, which this Jewish man did to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So it caused him some... Uh, some harm and uh it had an and it had an impact you know, this is one of the things that allah has allowed to have that type of relationship that cause and effect relationship so it happens uh, exactly how does it happen we don't know but we just know that generally speaking it is done by uh reciting some sort of incantations or doing some sort of practices and which basically with the intention of bringing some sort of harm to the person who you are doing to doing it too with the assistance of the shayateen amongst the jinn. Um, so anyway, so this Jewish person did this to the Prophet using one of Prophet Wasallam's hair, which caused him to forget things. Uh, and, he, and he would become confused. It did not affect his revelation or anything or his uh, character or in his intellect. But it just made him a little bit confused. And then Jibrail came down and he told him what happened. And that's when these two surahs came down. So this is what is mentioned about these Okay, so I seek refuge in the Lord of mankind. Okay, it's the explanation. Um, the word Rabb uh, in Arabic means the following things. We discussed it in Surah Al-Fatiha as well, but I'll mention it again here. It means, uh, it could mean somebody who's in authority, okay? An owner, like a master of a slave is called, uh, could be called a Rabb as well. Or like an owner of a house, you know, he's called Rabbul, uh, Rabbul Bayt, the owner of the house, right? Uh, somebody who gives gifts is also called a Rabb, one who nurtures, okay? So make sure something doesn't die, right? Um, actually, one who nurtures, like somebody who brings somebody up from, from uh, birth to like when they're, when they're older. Or one who takes care or one who maintains. And you make sure that they don't die or take care of so, And all of these names apply to all, all of these attributes. They apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's why he's called a Rabb. Because all of these things apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so the meaning here is, uh, say, I seek protection in the one who is in complete control of everything. Allah is, in Allah is in complete control of everything. He doesn't have partial control. You and I have partial control. We don't have complete control. Okay, we have limited capacity of control over this creation. Okay, uh, but we do not have complete control. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has complete control. Not even the angels. No one has complete control. Okay, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is solely the only one who has complete control, and that is why He is called Rabb, and that's why we are seeking protection in Him. Okay, because He is in complete control. Next verse. Nam, Malikin. It's two words, so I'll just read it. Okay, so the King of Mankind, the King of Mankind. Okay. Uh, why is Allah called the king? Okay, because Allah is the king of kings. Okay, He is the king uh, um, of the rule and the ruled. Okay, both the the subjects and the king. In this world, we have kings, right? Even today, we have kings, right? So Allah is their king. The king of kings is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, because He is the uh, the ultimate king, I guess you could say, um, and He has complete control and authority over all the other kings and leaders of this world. Okay, why? Because Allah causes life and gives death, right? 
Allah gives honor and humiliation to whomever he wills, right? And Allah makes somebody rich and he makes others poor, right? So all of these things are an indication of the complete authority of Allah. So that's why he calls himself Malik, okay? Uh, that's why some people, some people they, they translate Malik as sovereign, okay? Sovereign is someone who has control and authority, basically, over the people. So Allah is saying Allah has Malik in us. He is the king of mankind, okay? He's sovereign of mankind. Why? Because he has complete authority over their affairs. Uh, he decides who dies, who lives. He decides who is honored and who is humiliated. He decides who is rich and who is poor. So that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is called Malikin Nas. Okay. Thank you. Next verse. <laughs> okay. So. Now Allah refers to himself in this verse as ilah, okay? The God or the deity of mankind, okay? Um, what does uh, ilah mean in Arabic? Ilah in Arabic means a deity uh, that is that deserves to be worshipped, okay? Um, and our pursuit of a deity is one of the things that makes us apart from animals. Animals don't have this idea of searching for a deity, right? Only mankind is the only people who do this. Okay, maybe the jinns as well. Uh, they have this concept of looking for something greater than themselves going beyond like we don't like uh because in general on a biological level we're not much different from animals right we just we can become animals in the sense right we can follow our desires just do whatever they want but what does an animal do they, all they do is follow their instinct they're hungry they eat okay they see it's mating season they mate right uh they're tired they sit down right? that's what they do they don't do anything else. They, they don't like they don't go after a purpose or anything like that they just follow their instincts that's it um uh, so that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls some people, Allah says, you know, like, uh, if, like if we, Allah has given us this gift where we can basically uh, think for ourselves, be rational, right? And uh, go beyond just following uh, our basic instincts. We can go beyond that. We can look for meaning. We can, you know, uh, go at a deeper level. And because of that, that's, that's what Allah says that in the Quran, he refers to that people who don't do this, who reject this gift from Allah, basically they don't put this gift into practice, right? And they follow their desires and their instincts. Allah calls them that you guys are just like animals. Then like, what's the, what is the difference between, rather Allah says you're worse than cattle. You're even worse than animals. Why? Because animals have an excuse. Allah hasn't given them this gift of rationality, right? To go beyond the basic instincts. But Allah says, I have actually given you this gift. This, it's inside of you. It's, you have it, right? But you're throwing it away. And you're, you're behaving just like animals, just eating, drinking, and following your desires, right? And so you're, you're worse than them because these animals have an excuse. You guys don't have an excuse, okay? So that's why Allah uh, calls them worse than animals. So this, this concept of deity, it sets us apart from animals. If we don't have this concept, then we tend to go beyond the bounds. Okay, we cross the boundaries just by Allah. And that's what you see amongst atheists, atheists right? That's what you see, right? They don't have any set of boundary because to them, Human beings are just like animals. They're just biological creatures. You don't have a soul. There's no life. There's no. There's no God. There's nothing. So we. So to them, it makes complete sense to basically just follow your desires to do whatever you want. Like what's the harm, right? And, and that's why they go. They have like, uh, like I've seen atheists argue that what's wrong with marrying your own sisters, your own biological sister, right? What's wrong with it? If 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 there are consenting adults, they're adults and they're grown up and if they want to get married, what's the problem? Like, they don't have this they, they don't have this idea of you know morality and right and wrong because to them, hey, if somebody has an instinct inside them and you know they willingly do it and you're not forcing them, what's the big deal? Right? So that's what happens when you 
uh, erase God from the picture, right? Then you basically become like an animal and you're just going to do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. There's no shame. There's nothing. There's nothing left. You can literally do whatever you want because uh, logically it makes sense. If you, there is no God, there's no afterlife, there's nothing, then just do whatever you want. So Allah is saying, Ilahin nas, okay? He is the God, the deity of mankind, okay? And do you have a purpose? There, there is something greater than themselves. They realize that, okay? Um, I, I explained this, that Ilah is used to refer to uh, something that is, deserves to be worshipped. Um, now, the previous two names, they lead to this. Okay, so if Allah is the Rabb of mankind, right? And he is the Malik, the king of mankind, then obviously it leads to the logical conclusion that he is the Ilah, he is the God of mankind as well. So the previous two names mentioned in the surah lead to this conclusion automatically, okay? That there is one God and he is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because he has complete authority and he has a complete ownership uh, of all creation, of all mankind. Okay, and Allah repeated the word mankind. Now, it's, this is a question to be asked. Uh, why does Allah constantly repeat the word nas? Like, why is he repeating it over and over and over again? And the scholars say the reason is because in order to show dignity and honor to mankind. Whenever we, like even we do it, this in English as well, like whenever you want to show respect to something, you constantly repeat it over and over and over again, right? So Allah is repeating the word mankind over and over again to show them that you guys are honored. Allah has honored you, okay? You guys have dignity. You guys have respect. So this, you know, uh, uh, so it's a form of praise and honor and dignity towards uh, mankind. Safe. Go ahead, Sheikh Leith. I made you co-host because I have to go really quickly, but read the rest of the ayat, Sheikh Leith. Go ahead, unmute yourself. Okay, so from the evil of the retreating whisper, okay? So this particular verse is talking about the shaitan. Uh, the shaitan. Um, uh, okay, so now that it is established, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is in control and he's the only deity. Once we have established this fact, right? So naturally, we are going to seek protection in Allah, right? From, uh, uh, from uh, we are going to seek protection in, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala naturally, right? So, so this is why in this particular verse, we are seeking protection in Allah against our greatest enemy. So remember, so all, everything was building up. Now Allah is telling you what you are seeking protection from in this verse. Remember we said Surah Al-Falaq is about external threats. Surah An-Nas is about internal threats, right? So the internal threat here is Iblis, okay? Or Shaitan, the internal thoughts that come to our minds, right? Uh, so those... Uh, uh, um, so this is why, so, so, this, so this is what this one is about. This surah is about the internal test, and that is the shaitan, okay? So now, what does the word al-waswas mean? It literally means whisperer, right? Uh, and it comes from a word uh, that in Arabic language, it comes from a word which means like the clanking of the jewelry. Like, you know, like women, when they, when they wear jewelry, right? And, it, and when they walk, it clank. It makes like a clanking sound, right? But it does it in a, but if, when it does it in a way that you can barely hear it, right? That is called in Arabic al-waswas, right? Like the waswas. That's the word from that's that's where the origin of this word is coming from. So that clanking of jewelry in a way that you can barely hear it, that's called waswasa. Okay. So what what does that mean in context of this verse? Why does why is the shaitan called the whisperer, okay, or the al-waswas? Because because uh, when the shaitan, when he makes his waswasas, when he whispers into our hearts, right, to do evil deeds, right, he does it in a way, uh, in such a way that the person doesn't even notice it. Like he does it so 
uh, meticulously, right? And so secretly, right? That you don't even realize that shaitan is giving you a waswasa. You don't even realize it. You think it's your own thoughts, but actually it's actually the, coming from the shaitan. So that's called, that's why he's, Allah called him al-waswasa, whisperer, okay? Um, now, what is he whispering? Basically, he whispers, uh, like he incites disbelief, sin, lewdness, right? The, all that. Basically, anything that's haram that will bring you harm in this life and the next, that's, those are the types of things that he's whispering to you, to your soul, right? That's what he's doing inside of you, inside your heart. Uh, and we don't realize it, but it's, that's what's happening. Um, Al-Khannas, what does the word Al-Khannas mean? Okay? The word Al-Khannas literally means when a star flickers and disappears quickly, or it's barely detectable, right? Or, 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 or like a barely detectable gesture, like somebody has, like somebody like you're looking at someone, right? And they make something with their eye, right? They make some sort of a gesture with their eye to mean something. And it's so quick that you can barely detect it. That's called al-khannas, okay? And why is shaitan called al-khannas? Because, uh, um, okay, yeah, this one also is important before we get to the, why is he called that? Uh, Shaitan is also uh, al-khanas. The word al-khanas also means to sneak away in a manner that is like that. It is like he was not even there. Like to do it so sneakingly in such a it, it's quick and sneaking manner that you don't even realize that the person was there. Like after, you only realize it after they were gone. So that person is called in Arabic. They also call such a person al-khanas. Okay. So Allah used this word. Why? Because shaitan, whenever he whispers, right? Uh, whenever he whispers, so, so, so shaitan is there. And he's whispering in our hearts, right? He's whispering, right? And uh, he's doing it so secretly, right? Uh, but whenever we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he disappears. Just like that star that disappears, he disappears, right? And when we, be and, and when we remember Allah, and when we become heedless of Allah, uh, he reappears. So that's the, that's, the, that's the attribute of the shaitan. So whenever uh, he comes to our hearts and he starts whispering, uh, we st we seek refuge in Allah. We say, right? Then he runs away. He disappears, right? And then we, then when we forget about Allah or we neglect Allah, then he comes back again and starts whispering again. So it's a constant battle, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, that you have to do until the end of your life. That's something that's going to happen. So that's so Allah saying that seek refuge in Allah from this evil shaitan, okay? That is uh, with you all the time. And the Prophet وسلم, said that um, every person, when they are born, they are assigned a shaitan. So it's not that Iblis himself is going around and giving whispers to everyone. Shaitan has, I mean, Iblis has, uh, he has children and he has helpers from the shayateen. And every person that is born in this dunya, they have a, they have a shaitan assigned to them for life. Okay, and it's called a qareen. The Prophet said it's a qareen. And its job is basically there to whisper bad thoughts to you, okay? To whisper evil things to you. And the Sahaba asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, O Messenger of Allah, even you? Uh, and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, yes, but Allah has helped me against him, so he has accepted Islam. He has become Muslim, and he only tells me to do good, okay? So even the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had this creature called Qareen, okay? And all of you have it. Every single individual one of you has it, and its job is there to just uh, mis try to misguide you and whisper evil thoughts to you, and um, so basically that's it called uh, al khannas Now you are now. I hope you are also now beginning to see why uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, why the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam suggested that this surah, these two surahs, be read after every obligatory salah, and why the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam left everything else and he focused on these two surahs. 
why? Because they are a form of protection from everything, external threats and internal threats. Next verse. Is he here? I don't know if he's here. Okay, now nah, I'm back. Uh, go <laughs> ahead, Yasser Adam. And there are a few questions, inshallah, on the chat. Should I read the ayah? Yes, thank you. Okay, so the one who whispers evil into the breasts of mankind. So now Allah is defining who Al-Waswas uh, al is, who the evil whisperer is. So who is he? Allah is telling you who he is or what he does. Um, okay, I just mentioned this. We all have a qareen, okay? Uh, okay, so the so one who whispers evil into the breasts of mankind. Okay, so how does he do it? Um, so the scholar will say that basically uh, he uses some sort of invisible speech that the heart understands, okay? But which cannot be heard by sound, okay? So there's a, so the basic, there's an element of speech. Remember, this is, this is, I mean, this is from part of the ilm al-ghayb. This is from the knowledge of the unseen. We don't really understand it because it's not part of our, our physical world, okay? <laughs> so it's not something you can like put under a microscope and study. This is something that like in another dimension, okay, that's happening. Uh, and this happens in a way we don't really understand. Uh, but basically it is it. So, so basically, the shayateen have some sort of a speech. They have some sort of a speech, an invisible type of speech that doesn't have any sound. And we don't understand it. We cannot understand it with our ears, but our hearts understands it. Our heart understands it, okay? And that's why they whisper to the heart. How did they whisper to the heart? Some of the, uh, some of the uh, scholars, they said that basically the, sh the shaitan, he sits on top of your heart. He literally sits on top of your heart, right? And he and he waits for an opening. Okay, when he gets an opening, right, then he whispers these things into the heart. Okay, how does that work? What's the exact, like any, uh, uh, what's the exact details behind it? We don't know. We don't know how it does happen, but it happens. Okay, it's there. It happens, and it's something that Allah has allowed, and it's part of the test of this dunya, whether we abide by, whether we listen to Shaitan or whether we listen to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. But once we make the Quran our message and our mission. And we try to abide our life by it, right? So according to the Quran and Sunnah, then it helps. And we recite these surahs, and they are a form of protection for us, and then they will help us protect us from the shaitan. Okay, so it's part of the test. Anyway, so the one who whispers into the breasts of mankind. Okay. Tayyib, last verse. And from among the jinn and mankind. Okay. Um, okay. So what happened? Allah now saying that because uh, so amongst the amongst the jinn and mankind there are shayatin. Okay. How? Because those people who let shaitan into their hearts, they eventually become the ambassadors of shaitan himself. They become his handiwork. Okay. So sometimes people they become so evil because they constantly sin and they constantly they sin. Because they, they, they fall into the, sh the trap of shaitan so much that they become shayateen, okay? Yani they become evil in themselves in that they go around and they preach evil, right? And they encourage people to do evil, okay? And they suggest evil things, okay? So they, they transform into human devils, basically. And they become, they become the, sh the, the partners of Iblis in this, uh, in this dunya. And these people that basically, 
uh, like I said, they started giving people evil suggestions. They started beautifying things, right? And we see this, right, in the media. Like, like look at the whole porn, the, the whole porn industry. Like, what are they exactly doing? They are basically uh, um, making something that is evil attractive to the masses, right? And they're calling people to it, right? And uh, so this is like you, you. They become like amongst like they become uh, the shayateen amongst the people. The same can be said about other people as well, who basically don't care about halal and haram. And they take evil things and they beautify them. Um, and they beautify it for the people and call people to it. So they become shayateen's helpers, okay? By the way, the, the shaitan doesn't worry about these people because they're already on that trajectory, right? Shaitan only worries about people who are actually trying to be good. They're trying to be righteous. They're trying to abide by Allah's law. Shaitan comes after them, okay? Uh, because uh, when it comes to uh, getting them astray, why? Because they're the ones that are, for him, a threat, Okay. So he works most on mostly on them. These other people, they are already his handiwork. So he doesn't, they don't even need to whisper that much to them because they're already in that arena, okay, with that mindset. Uh, but the people who are righteous, who are trying to abide by Allah's commands, uh, the shaitan works harder on them because they're a threat. And that's why we should constantly recite these two surahs. Uh, some said, some scholars said that the devils amongst mankind are worse. Why? Because they don't, they don't fold. They, they remain on their path. Remember, we said when it comes to the shayateen, the, amongst the jinn, whenever you remember Allah and seek His uh, protection, they run away. Right? They run away, they, and they come back when you forget about Allah, and you become heedless, and they come back again. Okay? And it's constantly back and forth. But when it comes to the shayateen amongst mankind, they don't disappear when you say Arrozubillahi Shaitan everything. Right? They don't disappear. They're still there. So they're actually worse uh, than. Them. So that's some something that some scholars have mentioned. Okay, now the conclusion of Surah An-Nas. Uh, the word shaitan in Arabic, uh, I found this interesting, so I'm mentioning here. It comes from a word meaning to let something burn for a long time. It's a word like, like and the literate word shatana uh, in Arabic, linguists, they say that it comes from a word to mean something that, that, you learn, that you let burn for a long time. And Iblis is called, and his people, and yani, the, amongst the jinn, they call shayateen because they have something that is burning inside of them and they keep it burning, okay? Whether that's hasid, whether that hatred, whatever it is, they keep it burning. So that's why they're called uh, shayateen or shaitan. It's something interesting from a linguistic point to mention, inshallah. Um, okay, so this is something very interesting. Uh, the Quran, it ends with seeking refuge in Allah. And we remember we talked last week about al-Fatiha and it begins with al-Fatiha, which speaks about seeking help with Allah alone. So isn't that amazing? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he starts the Qur'an with seeking his help and he ends the Qur'an with seeking his refuge. That's amazing. This, this, that's, like, that's like a linguistic thing. Uh, uh, not the linguistic, but uh, uh, the, uh, the eloquence. It's, like an eloquence of, it's part of the eloquence of the Qur'an. Okay? Uh, that Allah starts the Fatiha, the Qur'an. It starts with seeking Allah's help and then it ends with seeking Allah's protection. And seeking refuge in him. So that's an amazing thing. So that's how Allah begins the Quran. He ends up with Quran with, with dua. So that's why we can learn from this that dua is so important. Allah begins and ends the Quran with dua. Okay? So that shows that how the power of dua and how important dua is for a believer. And as the Prophet said, the dua is a weapon of the believer. Okay? Because it is powerful, it has an impact. But we have to do it sincerely for the sake of Allah and, and believing in it that Allah will answer me, inshallah. Now, the most valuable thing that we can take to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are our hearts, okay? And uh, Surah An-Nas, like I said, it protects our hearts, the internal dangers, okay? 
And that's what we're going to be going towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, right? The Prophet sallallahu said, Allah does not look at your beauty or your wealth. He looks, he looks at your hearts and your, um, he looks at your hearts and your deeds, okay? So hearts are very important to take care of, to make sure that they're protected and that they're not harmed from the evils of the shayateen and from, uh, and from evil sins. And I think, uh, you know, Iqbal salam is doing the uh, tazkiyah sessions. So those are very important to delve into as well. Uh, because they talk about the diseases of the heart. Thank you. So that concludes Surah An-Nas as well. Thank you.